So this evening's reading is from Acts 19, verses 1 to 10. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. They were about 12 men in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Amy. Uh, just before John preaches, I thought I'd uh, interview him. And for those who are visitors here who don't know, my name's Jonathan G. I'm the vicar here. It's my privilege to be the vicar here. And wonderful to welcome old friends back who we haven't been seen here for a while. Some have said, oh, the building's changed. Uh, and new friends from churches around the diocese as well. You are very, very welcome. Uh, we've had John McGinley here with us preaching this morning and leading small group leaders meeting this afternoon. We're working him hard, but he's an old friend, so I don't mind that. John, come up. Let's give him a warm welcome. And uh, I'll just do a short interview with John, and, uh, and then we'll leave you to preach. So uh, I first met John 24 years ago, I think it was. We were the guinea pigs on the Arrow Leadership course. Great to see James Lawrence here, but he tried out his first go at it on us, and then uh, it's got even better since then. Uh, at the time, I was leave, uh, leading a church in Hinckley, and uh, 23 years ago to this week, I was interviewed here to be the vicar. And uh, John came as the vicar in Hinckley and cleared up the mess I made. which is, And there was quite a lot of mess, whatever he said. It was a, a church full of young life and lots of mess. Uh, and then John went on to be the vicar of Holy Trinity in Leicester, um, where he produced some material we've been looking at in, with our small group leaders called Mission Shaped Living. Can you just tell us a little bit about that, John? Yeah, I think what we were looking for as a church was a way forward to enable everyday people to live out their faith in the context they were in and to be used by God to see others come to know Jesus. And even though we'd set a big vision to, to really reach people and see people come to faith, we discovered that people were not confident to do that in their daily lives. And so we developed some materials uh, which took people on a journey, that it wasn't just a, you, sh you should try harder, but it was actually something that, born out of prayer, born out of the leading of the Spirit, that people could grow in confidence. And we really saw that happen. Well, we had John do a leadership weekend for us a few years ago, and I found his material really helpful for me. I'm not, evangelism's not my top gift, and just with neighbours the same where I don't have the advantage or disadvantage of being a vicar in the same position as everybody else is. And uh, while it's not what John's preaching about primarily this evening, if you're interested in that material, we've got lots of copies at the welcome desk. So do come and grab hold of that. Then a year and a half ago, they took you to another job. So tell us about that. Um, so I left, um, yeah, 20 
four years of parish ministry, and I stepped out into a role with Myriad that I'm going to talk a little bit about this evening, uh, which is to serve the Church of England's vision for thousands of new worshipping communities. And so that took me out of parish, out of the vicarage, and just trying to live out my faith uh, in a new place in Buckinghamshire. And uh, I'll say a little bit more later. Brilliant. Well, that's, that's one of the reasons we've invited friends from other churches to join us. As in this diocese, that's a vision shared here, and we're wanting to play our part in St. Paul's in seeing this happen, partnering with people uh, around the diocese and seeing if something can happen here. So let's pray for John. Mm. Father, how we praise you for your hand on John's life and how you've used him in church leadership and in church planting and in establishing new worshipping communities. And we thank you for calling him to this role in Myriad. We pray now, Come, Holy Spirit, and fill him afresh. Mm. And we know he talks about this uh, in lots of different places and times. We pray for fresh anointing tonight to mm. speak your word to us. As we think about what you did through Paul in Ephesus all those years ago, as we think about mm. what you're doing around the nation, send your spirit on us that we would get a better sense of what you're doing here. Mm. So fill John and speak through him to all of us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Uh, it really is a joy to be here. And uh, so good to be talking about this here in the Diocese of Coventry, um, just because of the way in which that connects with the strategy of mission hubs, uh, resource churches, and, yeah, just really encouraged by all that I have. I have some conversations with uh, the Archdeacon Commissioner, uh, Barry Dugmore. Are you, are you here this evening, Barry? Oh, there you are. Yeah, he said he was coming. I just wanted to check. <laughs> um, so we're going to look a little bit at church planting, but I, I hope that when you hear something of what I've been called to specifically with Myriad, that you won't hear church planting and go, oh, that's for somebody else, that's for something big, that's something for the strategy of the Church of England, that you might just begin to glimpse that God is doing it in a fresh way that might just be for you. That's my prayer this evening. So let me just um, ground this in explaining to you what Myriad is, and that's on the next slide, please. So Myriad was formed by the Gregory Centre for Church Multiplication, uh, to serve the mixed ecology vision of the Church of England for 10,000 new worshipping communities and work together for, uh, with other denominations for similar growth. And we're developing strategies and resources uh, to help train and support the development of those new church communities. Um, let me just unpack that just for a moment. So first of all, the Gregory Centre for Church Multiplication. I get to work for a guy called Rick Thorpe. He's known as the Church Planting Bishop of the Church of England. Uh, and uh, he is involved in supporting dioceses across the country with their plans for church planting. Um, the mixed ecology phrase is a phrase that the Church of England has developed to say that no longer do we just need one type of church to reach everyone. And this, this was the pattern of the Church of England for centuries, that we needed just parish churches um, in their location doing their job, 
Uh, but because of the cultural change that has taken place, the church is recognizing we need all kinds of different churches. And that stained glass window for me is, uh, is, is a picture of just how when the light of Christ shines through different people, it is expressed in so many different ways. And so that's the exciting thing, that the church is saying God's doing new things and we're really up for it at this time. And then they set this vision and strategy to see 10,000 new worshipping communities form in the next 10 years. Now, I'm not a great one for sort of targets and stuff like that, but what I think that expresses is an expression of scale, that the Church of England is the church for our nation. We have over 12,500 parishes, and each of those is called with a responsibility for the cure of souls of, of those parishes and to reach those people and give them a chance for them to know Jesus Christ. And the church is saying, in this recognition that we need new things for new people, we're going to need thousands of new churches. Myriad means 10,000 in the Greek, and that's why we chose the name, because we believe this is something God really is part of, not because we want to see the 10,000, but because of what it communicates, which is, if that's going to happen, it's going to have to happen with all kinds of people leading in all kinds of ways to reach all kinds of people. That's going to mean lay people leading churches. It could mean planting churches in completely different ways, in homes, in workplaces, in coffee shops, um, wherever God calls you to. And it's going to involve this multiplication of the variety of the church of God. And that's the exciting thing to realize. I know that you'll hear lots of stats in the press about how we're in a declining situation and and where faith is declining in our nation. But the Church of England has set such a bold vision for the future uh, that I've never seen the possibilities that we now have as a church of responding to our current cultural moment. So be encouraged, friends. This is what the church is providing as leadership. And we really feel called to serve that. Now, I want to ground this in some scripture. So if we look at the story of the church in Ephesus, and that's on the next slide. So in Acts chapter 19, Paul arrives in Ephesus um, on his missionary journey. And he's, uh, this is his third missionary journey. And he has been following a process of church planting wherever he's gone. He has a band of team with him wherever he's traveled around uh, the, uh, the Mediterranean, and he has planted churches. And he said, let's go and revisit those churches. And he's expecting to go through this process again in the similar way that he's been doing this. But what he discovers is something begins to change. He has a method by which he goes into an area, he goes to the synagogue, he tries to persuade the Jews first of all, and then once that's begun to happen, he then opens it up to the Greeks, and he begins to discover that that is not working in the same way. And then he arrives in Ephesus, and instead of just encouraging the believers and moving on, we discover that he stays there for two years. This is Luke's um, description of this, and Luke was with Paul at this time. So it said, So Paul left the synagogue, and he took the disciples with him, and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. 
This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. So you can see on the screen where some of those um, names in yellow are. There's the province of Asia. Luke is saying the whole of this region heard the gospel because of what Paul did. Now we have to do a bit of interpretation here and it might be that they managed to bust them all in or camel them or, or donkey them all into Ephesus over that two-year period, and everybody got a little presentation of the gospel. But that isn't realistic, and we have some clues to say that that didn't happen because the names in yellow on the screen are the names of the churches that are written to in the first chapters of Revelation. And so what we discover is they're all there surrounding Ephesus, And so we can imagine that what Paul does is he has two years of speaking daily in this hall of Tyrannus, in the midday sun, where nobody else is using this hall. He takes it, and then he starts having discussions and teaching and training people, leading people to faith. And then they go out from that place to evangelize the rest of Asia And the result is all of those churches get planted and no doubt many more. And the result is that everyone in that province has a chance to know about Jesus. This is radically different strategy for Paul. And we see it happen as he works this out. That Suddenly multiplication starts to happen in a way that was so much more effective than just him going village to village to village. The really interesting thing is that if we uh, just uh, flick back to chapter 16, and we um, put that on the screen, please, that we discover that in chapter 16, that province of Asia, Paul always wanted to go there. He had it on his heart to go there. And so it says there that Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. God had put it on Paul's heart, but then God says, not that way, Paul. Not the way you've already been doing it. I'm going to teach you a new way. And what happens is Paul establishes a center at Ephesus. He establishes another one at Corinth, in which he begins to multiply his ministry through training others and seeing them church planting. So what we begin to see is that Paul learned a different strategy. And God is doing something fresh in his church today. He's teaching us to do things in a fresh way. Just like Paul, in the Church of England, we have always had a vision for a local church in every parish that would make the good news of Jesus available to everyone in our nation. But because of the cultural shifts, we've begun to realize that that method is no longer connecting with our culture and our population in the way that it used to. And God is teaching us new ways. So let me just take you through a couple of things about church planting and then tell you some stories. So on the next slide, please. Why plant churches? First of all, that thing about cultural change. Um, that we need churches that connect into the different subcultures, the different locations, the different places where people currently are not being connected with. So 
one of the reasons why you plant a church is because you look around you in church and you say, who isn't here? And in the Church of England, if you ask that question, the clear answer in every church is young adults and children and young people. So we have to reach younger people. And currently we're failing to do that. And then there are many other places where geographically, quite often on poorer estates, uh, people are not connecting with church. And where we have the opportunity, because of the different cultural expressions in our culture, to reach people in a fresh way. Secondly, new churches reach new people in new ways. And that's because those churches are formed on the basis of mission. And that missional creativity and energy leads them to do things in all kinds of different ways. And we've seen this in the Fresh Expressions movement. We've seen this in the way in which um, new types of church are formed in order to connect and be present with people who otherwise wouldn't reach church. And so stats show that this is what happens. The mixed ecology, I think, has real wisdom because in a lot of our established churches, to lead everyone on the journey of changing the whole of that church to reach new people is an enormous amount of change and pain and cost. And so instead of doing that, why don't we start something alongside? And that vision of 10,000 is saying, what if most of our churches could start something new to reach new people in new ways alongside what they already do? And secondly, there is just that recognition of the variety of churches needed to do that. And so this isn't a either or. It's not the old is bad and the new is good. It's a partnership. It's something which brings together a variety of churches, mixed ecology, that biodiversity is, the, is what that image communicates, to enable new people to be reached in new way and to allow the gift of the established church to release the new whilst affirming and honoring its role in the process. So it really is a partnership. So how does this happen? So when you hear the word church planting, I wonder what comes to mind. Depending on your experience, that's what will already have shaped what you think when you hear that. That may be positive, it might be negative, it might be because of one particular story that you're aware of, um, but what God is doing is he's just broadening the way in which this is happening. So if you have the next slide. So, sorry about the detail, that's probably too much to see, but um, the idea of that parish church in the center is that that's the source. It's parishes releasing people to plant. And you might have heard of resource churches. St. Mark's is, is a great um, example of that here in Coventry Diocese, where they're tasked with receiving resource and then sending teams to revitalize other churches that need that revitalization. So parish A to parish B. Again, it's a partnership. It's not a takeover. But it's an opportunity for the life that has been developed in one place to bring fresh life in a new place. And God is definitely doing that. It's really bringing new life to, um, to churches that need that. But that can feel like that's too inaccessible 
to most churches is that we can't do that. We can't afford to send a big team. We can't afford to send lots of people. Uh, we haven't got those resources. And so to do that where you send it into another church and another parish seems too much. But all of the other little orange circles, even if you can't see the detail of it, are examples of how small teams of people can start something new within a parish released by the, um, the church and the incumbent of that parish. And so it might be that it's into a coffee shop. It might be that it's a missional community midweek alongside the existing Sunday service. It might be into the workplace. Um, it might be in uh, somebody's home or in a new uh, type of church in terms of multiple congregations in the same building. There are just multiple ways in which God is doing this. And for me in my role, I just get the privilege of just a front row seat of what God is doing across the country. And I'll, I'm going to tell some stories in just a moment. So God is doing this in this completely varied way in our church today. And what it means is that each church begins to discover God's call and unique grace for what they are called to do. So I love the diocesan structures in this in terms of there's a resource church at the center of, of Coventry, but there are six mission hubs with responsibility for engaging with planting and partnering with other churches to see new churches and new worshiping communities form. And those churches are recognizing a different calling to other churches. But because of the partnership, all churches are strengthened by that and new partnerships are formed, and each church has the opportunity to, before God, begin to wonder, Lord, what do you want to do through us? What's our grace? What's our calling? And that's what we're beginning to see in this mixed ecology. So they're the different types of church planting, and one way in which it's been expressed is, a, is just to look at the way in which Tesco's does its work now. So if we go on to the next slide, don't quote me on this. I get into all kinds of trouble with tw people tweeting me and it being distorted. But um, don't quote me that this is a franchise business. This isn't about a takeover. This isn't about corporate finance or anything like this. It's just Tesco's recognized different size, different role. Different things take place in these different Tesco's, and they all have a different role in people's lives. And so Tesco Extra, you get your massive um, superstore. You've got your Tesco Superstore where you go and buy most of your stuff. Tesco Metro, you pop in. Tesco Express might be in your garage as you grab something, and then Tesco Online. Church is beginning to learn that different churches have different callings. Resource churches have central resources in order to release them in a unique way with unique ministries and unique calling. New churches can get planted into a new area, such as a housing estate, when teams are sent from churches or a revitalization of a congregation. And then there's a whole range of micro-churches, house churches, fresh expressions, prototypes like Messy Church and Muddy Church and Cafe Church and all kinds of different ways in which church is being expressed. And then there's real creativity in forming church online. This is what Jesus is doing with his church. So 
Myriad is trying to serve this, and I want to tell something of my story and then some other stories as we just go back into Acts chapter 19 on the next slide, please. So we're trying to make church planting accessible to any parish so that anyone with, who can just release two or three people to plant something new, to start a new worshipping community, could reach new people who would otherwise not know Jesus Christ. And we operate by a number of different principles. The first one is prayer and the work of the Holy Spirit. It's really interesting that at the beginning of what Paul does in Ephesus, he asks this question to the first disciples that he meets. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered no. He then says, the first thing I need to do is explain how this works and that you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He prays for them and they are filled with the Holy Spirit and they speak in tongues and prophesy. As I said, I, I no longer work in a parish. Um, I work across the Church of England um, with Myriad and the team that, uh, that Rick has established for us to do this Myriad work. It's a real privilege. But I had to buy a house that wasn't a vicarage for the first time in my life. Um, and so I bought a house where God led me into this little village called Bledlow. And then because God had sent me there, I start walking around saying, God, would you break out in this village? Would you do something in this little village of a thousand people? It's got a pub, a really oldie-worldie pub in which um, they film. Um, whenever you need a, a film scene with an old pub, they film in Bledlow. Apparently, Colin Firth is coming next month. And the women of our village are a little bit of a Twitter. And uh, I'm not, am I allowed to say that? Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I did anyway. And that's what, this is classic English countryside village. I'm praying, Lord, would you break out in this village? I'm saying, Holy Spirit, begin to touch people. As I begin to get to know people, I realize everybody knows everything. So I start to pray, if you would heal somebody, Jesus, everybody would know. Then I hear that the local vicar is going in for an operation. And I think, well, maybe if you healed the vicar, Lord, that would be amazing. So I went and got in touch with him. And I said, could, could we meet up? Can I help with some services while you're in, uh, going in for an operation? And he came around to my house. We talked about all of that. And I said, has anybody prayed for you? And he said, nobody's prayed for me. I said, could I pray with you? He said, yes. And so I prayed for Norbert. And as I prayed for him for his throat um, operation, I said, is God doing anything? He said, it feels like hot liquid is being poured down my throat. I said, okay, sounds like God's doing something. Let me, let me keep praying. So I kept praying, and I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me that he wanted to fill Norbert with his Holy Spirit. So I started to pray in tongues for Norbert. It's not Norbert's tradition in terms of his background. In, and as I prayed... And God began to minister to Norbert. When I'd finished praying, he was overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit and aware, unaware that I was there. And he was just meeting with the Lord for about five minutes after I'd finished praying. When he came round, he said to me, what was that? I said, that's the Holy Spirit, Norbert. He said, I wish I could feel like this every day. I said, you can feel like that every day. He then leaves. He comes back half an hour later. He said, John, you'll never guess what happened. He, I said, what happened? He said, I met on my way out my nemesis, the guy in the village who's caused me more trouble than anybody else since I've been here. 
and it was like he was my best friend. I felt peace go out of me and land on him, and it's transformed our relationship in a moment. He said, God is at work, John. We have to work together. I said, what do you want to do, Norbert? He says, I want to reach the village. And I said, how would we do that? He says, I think we have to start something new. I said, I could help you with that. He doesn't know what I do in my job. And so, um, so we begin to sit and pray together. But do you notice what happened there? It was the Holy Spirit who did that. And we really need to realize that in this work of church planting, this isn't a franchise business. This isn't just copy and paste. This is about the Holy Spirit leading us and empowering us. And that's why it's vital that we have leaders who are full of the Holy Spirit. It's vital that we allow the Spirit to lead us in the strategy that he has. So out of that, we begin to talk about what that would look like. I say to him, if we're going to start something new, Norbert, you can't lead it because the reality for him uh, as an ordained leader who is house for duty, who gets two days extra a week other than Sunday, uh, and he has three parishes to look after, that the capacity to do that himself is, is too much, plus his health. I said, I can't lead it. There must be somebody else. What do we discover is we discover Fiona, who two years beforehand has started to pray, Lord, you've called me to Bledlow. Would you do something in my village? And we discover that's why Bridget and I have moved to Bledlow, because Fiona has been praying for two years. Would you work in my village, Lord? This is a work of prayer. The purpose of forming a new church community is to reach new people. And that's our vision in Myriad. It's not just for new trendy types of church. It's not because we might like something a bit different in church. It's because we want to create something new. And so Norbert and I begin to talk and pray about what would this look like. There are no children in the church at Bledlow. There are very few people in the church at Bledlow on a regular basis. So he says, we need something that will be of a different quality and a different engagement. And so we start Cafe Church. And so we're looking for connections with the village. And so my wife, I told the story this morning, um, doesn't like craft, but she goes to the craft group because she wants to connect with people. And so in the craft group, she starts talking about Cafe Church that we're going to start. There are two women in the craft group who both say, do you need any musicians? And she says, yeah, we need some musicians. And so they said, we'd love to play our guitars. And so uh, she said, great. Um, they're not Christians, but they're willing to learn the songs. And so they come to craft group and they practice Be Still for the Presence of the Lord. Uh, this week it was Cornerstone, so they practiced Cornerstone. We sang that tonight. And, uh, and Pat and Catherine um, well, Pat's come to faith now, and, uh, and Catherine is on her way to faith. And, uh, and they're playing this in, um, in, a, in the craft group to learn it. And then they're telling everybody in craft group, you've got to come to Cafe Church. <laughs> and then we're looking for children and young families, and we're connecting with them. And so now we have about 10 children who come to Cafe Church. We have sometimes 35 people. Um, at least 50% never in church before, just because we are looking to reach new people. 
That's what church plants do. They, they focus on those who are not yet Christians. It's led by lay teams of people. So Fiona is a retired, early retired um, uh, primary school teacher. She has no training in Christian ministry. She is leading Cafe Church. She is incredible. She is so gifted at this. And yet each week when we pray and we meet, she is saying, I can't do this, John. All she needs is some support. But what she's realizing is, is the potential in her to be used by God to do something that she could not have imagined in a million years. She's discovering who she is in Jesus Christ and stepping up and standing up and seeing God use her in amazing ways and why he's called her to Bledlow. And that's what we're beginning to see. And I think one of the challenges for the Church of England and for me, who's been a priest for, for all of that time, is that we have not always empowered people in who they are and the potential of what God might do through them. And if we're to see this nation reached again, if we're to see the people who don't yet connect with church connected, it's the people who God has already put in those relationships who are best placed, who God can use. And so that takes us to the next point, which is church needs to be contextualized. It needs to look like something that will work in that place. And the people who know how to discern that are the people who are already there. The role for me and for others who are priests is to train and encourage, as I am with Fiona, to release and oversee. And we've, we've developed in Myriad a partnership with CPS that, that James Lawrence oversees and that is about training people who are ordained to oversee, not just to do so that they're equipped to encourage and release people really well. And they, we need the ordained leadership in this because they need to keep things safe, safeguarding, governance, process is all really important, but also the encouragement and the strengthening that they can bring. So Norbert is doing that with me for Fiona and Bridget as they lead Cafe Church in Bledlow. And it's releasing something that could never have happened I wouldn't have chosen Pat and Catherine to lead worship, and, uh, but Bridget and Fiona are in the craft group, and they saw the potential. Last, um, the last one we had just before we did Chris Dingle, um, Pat comes along and says, can we sing Streets of London? This is a really spiritual song for me. And of course, we sing Streets of London, because this is what Pat wants to bring, and she's bringing a contribution, and she's just growing, and, and it wouldn't ever hit the playlist of Holy Trinity Leicester in the center of Leicester. It would never have made it, but in Bledlow, it's exactly what the Holy Spirit is doing, because it's contextualized, and it's coming out of the hearts and the love of people in the place that he's put them. So rather than picking them up, taking them away, training them for years, asking that they have to become ordained, separating them from the community they were in, and then sending them somewhere else. We say, God's doing something in you in this place. And it doesn't mean that the ordained leadership isn't needed, because we need that support, that championing, that overseeing. And so there's a team that supports them. And then what Myriad's role in this is not to, in any way, try to step in in a way that's unhelpful, but it is to serve the local context by providing resources because doing this role as a layperson in the midst of everything else in life is not easy. 
And so it's not just a reckless, let's all have a go. It's let's think through how we can do this well. And so Myriad is providing training resources to enable um, teams of lay people to go on a journey with us um, in a local hub partnered with a diocese or a local church with a vision for planting in this way. Uh, over a two and a half year period with mentors and resources and support for them so that they can fulfill what God is calling them to do in that place. And we're going to see over 10 hubs form across the country in the next year to enable um, people like Fiona to do this. So as I said, my prayer is, is something of what I've shared this evening might just connect with you and you might go, maybe God might do that through me. And maybe one of the mission hubs here might support me. And maybe there might be some resources that Myriad could support through the diocese here. And that we might see churches planted in so many different ways because it comes out of who you are, where God's put you, and what he's wanting you to do. And that if you're in a parish church and you thought before, I could never have done this, you suddenly realize it only takes two or three people who catch a vision from God and begin to pray and begin to believe for something new in their parish that otherwise they thought was impossible. So let me finish with four stories that are really different, just to give you something to connect with. So on the final slide, please. So Bernice Hardy had a child who has additional needs. As that child, as her daughter grew up, she got to adulthood, and she found that church was not an easy place for her adult child with additional needs. She began to address that and think it through, and so she formed a new community, and she formed Wave Church. And she's seen Wave Church grow. She's seen people come to know Jesus. She's seen incredible new types of worship take place that would never take place in, in our regular um, Sunday-by-Sunday churches, but is just right for her community. And now God is multiplying it so that there are Wave Churches happening all over the country because of what God began in Benice. Josh Cutting is in Sheffield. He felt called by God to start a church in his home. And he started with six people. And then um, he began to connect with young people through the kickstart scheme at the end of the lockdown. And through that, he developed mentoring. He saw a number of them come to faith. And then the two other couples who were with him and his wife said, okay, if church is this simple where we just meet around a table and we pray and we open the Word of God and we worship in a really simple way, I think we probably could do this. And so they multiplied into three churches. In 18 months, they now have five churches. The last one was planted by somebody who didn't even have permission to start a new church because Josh led him to the Lord. And then after that, he had to go overseas, and then he had to holiday, then he had family stuff to deal with. And he doesn't meet up with this guy until two, two months later, and he wonders if he's still following Jesus. And he meets up with him. He says, how are you doing? He said, well, I've, I've planted a church. And Josh says, What? And he said, well, I just did what you did. You know how we meet with the Bible and we ask simple questions? Well, I invited some friends around and, and they read about Jesus and they wanted to follow Jesus, so they came to know Jesus. And then we just do what you do every week, um, but we do it in the pub. And so that's what happens when church is simple, where people are empowered, 
where people don't have a load of the stuff that we have in our minds that says no. Fiona Main was in her 30s. She came to faith through Alpha. She's walking a dog on a new housing estate, and God just begins to say, we need a church for this community. She's been a Christian for 18 months. She starts to pray. She starts to ask the community, what do you need in this place? They said, we need places after school for families to come to gather for community. She starts a cafe once a month after a school midweek. Out of that comes a cafe church that continues after the cafe. Then they formed a missional community. They've seen a number of people come to faith. Fiona was a financial advisor doing this in her spare time with a small team of people out of the conviction of God. And then Wale is a friend of mine. He was at Holy Trinity Leicester. He'd been, a, uh, he'd been an intern with us. And at the end of his internship, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, well, I think you might need to, to plant a church. He said, I can't believe this, John. That's exactly what I feel God's calling me to. I just didn't think it was possible. And so as a 22-year-old, he plants a church with 10 people from Holy Trinity in the middle of Leicester trying to reach people from different ethnic backgrounds in their young adulthood who particularly have gone away from faith. He grows a church to 150 with no training other than an internship. He then plants from Leicester into London, grows another church to over 200, and then is then planted again. All as a 22-year-old layperson, but just because somebody believed in him. This is the potential, friends, when the Holy Spirit begins to lead, when he takes hold of our lives, and when we begin to see what we might do, and when the different ways that church can be expressed. So I'd love to pray with you. Would you stand with me as we finish and we pray? And just in a moment of quiet, I'd love you just to offer back to God whatever it is that you've thought about while we've been uh, together this evening in response to what I've shared. So I just pray, Lord, you would come and as you see each of us, as you see your, where you've placed each person, your call upon their life, the parish they're part of, the, the context that they live in. Lord, meet them in their thoughts and in their questions, I pray. And as we've talked about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would come and fill each person afresh. In the uniqueness of their call, that you, Holy Spirit, would come and quicken that and anoint them afresh, I pray, Lord Jesus. So come, Holy Spirit, more of you, more of your love, more of your power. All that they need of you, we pray, Lord. Come. More of you, Lord. More of you. More of you. Thank you, Lord.
And I pray, Lord, where what we've thought about this evening uh, requires change of thought or, or practice or, or ways forward, Lord, I pray for you to instill in those that you're calling to do that a conviction from you, Holy Spirit, of your call. Come and confirm your calling to people now, I pray. Deeper conviction that this isn't just their own vague thoughts, but this is you, Lord, as your Lord of your church. Thank you, Lord. We'd love to offer the chance to pray for people. Um, and one of the ways we like to do that here from time to time is just to invite people to come to the front or the sides uh, as we begin to sing our last song. And our prayer team will just come and lay a hand on your shoulder and pray for you to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit and for his wisdom and courage for whatever he's calling you to do. Um, there'll be a prayer team after the service is over where you could have a sort of longer chat about what's being prayed for. But if if you'd just like someone to pray for you to be filled afresh with God's Spirit and for courage and wisdom to do whatever he's calling you to, then just come up to the, the front, uh, left or right, perhaps band, you could just start playing the tune of what we're going to sing in a bit, but we won't start singing it yet. So if you'd like that, then, then come.